Last Friday, over 100 countries, including the U.S., announced they'd reached a deal. They'd agreed to set a global minimum corporate tax. The goal of this deal is to eliminate tax havens and make it much more difficult for companies to take advantage of another country's lower taxes. So a global minimum corporate tax is meant to sand off the edges of tax competition, to basically make it so that any company, wherever you're based, is going to pay at least 15% in every country that it operates. That's our colleague Rich Rubin. He says that as a result, big companies like Pfizer, Apple, and Google will be forced to pay more taxes. The headline here is that you've got now 136 countries on board with this agreement. Big countries, small countries, rich countries, not-so-rich countries. Not every country, but most countries on board with this international agreement. Most countries were on board with the plan right away. But when the deal was being hashed out this summer, there were a few holdouts. Specifically, countries that would have to raise their taxes. Countries like Ireland. So Ireland was opposed because Ireland has been for decades now the low-tax hub of, of Europe. And straying from that has been politically difficult for the Irish government to do. But they're obviously under a lot of international pressure. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, October 13th. Coming up on the show, the biggest tax overhaul in a century and how one key holdout got on board. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. It used to be pretty easy to figure out how to tax a company. A company would have a factory that produced physical goods that were sold to people nearby, and that was where they were taxed. Well, that became less and less true as the economy became less tangible, as services, technology became more important. And so pharmaceuticals are easy to move, technology is easy to move. And so companies found very straightforward ways to put income in country A, even though their customers were in country B and their headquarters was in country C. And then all three of those countries were like, wait a minute, like, shouldn't we get some of that? To solve this, countries have talked for years about the idea of setting up a global minimum tax. But it wasn't until earlier this year when President Joe Biden took office and appointed Janet Yellen as Treasury Secretary, the negotiations really picked up steam. They wanted to make sure they could get more tax revenue from companies' foreign income. When Biden and Yellen came in, they basically said, we want to sort of raise taxes on U.S. companies, and getting this deal is going to make it easier for us to raise taxes on U.S. companies and have money to pay for all the things that they want to pay for. The U.S. is basically saying, we're not getting enough, 
And we're concerned that companies are able to easily move jobs and profits out of the country. That's why the U.S. is trying to pull the rest of the world along to create this minimum tax so that there's not as big a gap between what it costs you to be a U.S. company and what it costs you if you're a non-U.S. company. Other countries also say they're missing out on tax revenue and that a standardized global minimum tax could potentially bring in a lot of money. So the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which is leading these talks, says that it's about $150 billion in new revenues annually, is their estimate. So countries around the world got together and started negotiating a global minimum tax. And they eventually settled on a number. Every country in the deal would tax companies at at least 15%. But for countries like Ireland, where tax rates were lower than 15%, this was bad news. Ireland has worked really hard to make itself an attractive country for business. Here's our colleague Paul Hannon, who's been writing about the Irish economy. Ireland didn't have a lot of foreign investment for many decades. It was primarily an agricultural economy. It it mainly sold agricultural commodities to the UK and a little bit elsewhere. People were pretty poor. There weren't many jobs. There was a lot of emigration. But as the economy globalized, Ireland had some advantages. Ireland was sort of attractive for a lot of reasons. It had a legal system that was very familiar to to U.S. companies. It had, obviously, English as its first language. It was inside the EU, so you could sell to a very large market. Um, And also that you could attract uh, skilled workers from, from a large market. But it really sort of took off when the social media companies, the digital giants, came along. They could be based anywhere and sell to customers everywhere, really. I mean, one of the pioneers was Apple. Um, It set up in Ireland in the early 1980s. So, um, you know, very early on in Apple's kind of existence. And that was a play basically on wages. Irish workers were available at a lower cost than they would have been, either in the rest of Europe or, or in the US. So Apple set up to make computers back then. A key part of Ireland's strategy to attract big multinational companies like Apple was to also offer lower taxes. In 2003, Ireland set its corporate tax rate at 12.5%, one of the lowest rates in Europe. And this strategy has been pretty successful. Over a thousand U.S. companies have a big presence in Ireland, including Google, LinkedIn, Facebook, and most of the big pharmaceutical companies. Today, these companies provide a lot of jobs in Ireland, and they've transformed the Irish economy— And Paul says, Irish society. It took what was uh, a largely agricultural backwater, a a place where cows were really the main thing that the country produced. And, you know, in a few generations, transformed it into the sort of maybe second most important place on earth for social media. And it's had very sort of broad and deep impacts on Irish society It's become a much more kind of socially liberal place, uh, partly because so many young and cosmopolitan workers now live there. And people have had the opportunity to contrast what was, uh, you know, a fairly conservative lifestyle with, you know, California, basically. But while this arrangement was working great for Ireland's economy, other countries didn't like it because they saw it as a way for companies to avoid paying taxes in their countries which is why other countries wanted a global minimum tax and needed to get Ireland on board. 
That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rockstar with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. In July, more than 100 countries came together to try and hash out a deal for a global minimum tax. And Treasury Secretary Yellen became a vocal advocate. It's really an important step for the global economy and for all countries in it to uh, stop the race to the bottom that we've seen over many decades. In corporate- Several countries signed on immediately, but some countries, like Ireland, were worried they'd lose their edge. They were pretty freaked out, if, if I can use that phrase. There had been pressure from other European countries on Ireland to change its its tax system, but not so much from the US. So when the US government suddenly came out with this proposal, Ireland was in a pretty difficult place. I mean, its two biggest allies, its two most important allies, the US and, and the EU, were both urging it to do the same thing. And it was clear that this was very important to the Biden administration. So it presented them with a big problem because the low tax rate has been key to its kind of economic plan for decades. What was the Irish government most afraid of? Well, it was mostly afraid of losing these companies and finding themselves, you know, having to come up with uh, an alternative way of growing the economy and providing jobs. And, you know, that isn't easy. I mean, the Irish population has been increasing uh, for the first time really in in a few hundred years. And, uh, you know, that was the level of the threat as far as they were concerned. Ireland really didn't have much choice but to get on board. The way the agreement was written made it so that if a country didn't participate and kept its tax rate low, then other countries where the company's customers were based could still collect the difference. Meaning companies would still have to pay the entire 15% tax anyway, regardless of what Ireland's tax rate was. Ireland's hand was forced. So the Irish government was faced with a situation where if it didn't join, it was going to have companies that were taxed at this rate anyway, but it wasn't getting that money. And it also decided that, you know, it was better to remain friends with the US and with Europe on this issue than risk kind of alienating them at a time when you know, for Ireland, there are kind of serious challenges ahead on a, on a geopolitical front. But there was still a sticking point. It had to do with two small words. The original language of the agreement was framed in, in July. And, and at that time, it said that the minimum tax rate should be at least 15%, which implied that it could go higher. And, you know, Frankly, other governments had indicated that they wanted it to go higher over time. 
Ireland kind of made the removal of the at least bit one of the conditions for for getting on board. Huh. So there's a showdown over the words at least. Yeah, I mean, tax is uh, a world in which little words can have really big significance. Eventually, the rest of the countries agreed to drop the words at least, which Ireland's finance minister said was a, quote, fair compromise. Ireland signed on, and last week, the deal was announced. 136 nations have negotiated a sweeping overhaul of global tax rules. The biggest overhaul of the international corporate tax system in decades. Forcing these companies to pay taxes where they operate, not just where they are headquartered. French finance. But even with this agreement, Rich says there's still a long way to go before it takes effect. That's because every country's lawmakers now need to ratify the deal. In most countries with parliamentary systems, that's really easy for the government to follow through and do. But everyone knows the U.S. is different, that the administration agrees to one thing and Congress is Congress. And the administration doesn't have full power to sort of push something through in quite the same way and with the same speed. So given how many more steps are involved, when do you expect this could possibly become an actual law of the world, (laughs) effectively? The idea is that this would take effect roughly in 2023. And I think we'll see the U.S. move sooner, at least legislatively. The implementation may take a little while. But you know, this is a live issue in the U.S. Congress right now, exactly how this minimum tax works. So now that we have this agreement, does it spell the end of this kind of corporate maneuvering to pay less taxes? Yeah, this is a giant like devil in the details project. You know, that there's ways for countries to help their companies find ways around the deal. That's sort of the lesson of tax policy is this nothing ever ends. There's always messy details to figure through. And companies, as satisfied as they might be with the agreement on who pays where, as dissatisfied as they might be with having to pay more, are still going to incentivize to try to find ways to pay less. And so the, the cat and mouse game will not end with this for sure. That's all for today, Wednesday, October 13th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.